Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Sam. On today's episode, we'll be chatting all about Private Practice Season 5, Episode 20. Episode 20, True Colors, was written by Craig Turk and Steve Blackman and directed by Steve Robin. It aired on May 1st, 2012. Enjoy! Today we have a very special guest host on the pod. You know her as Science with Sarah. Please welcome chemist, forensic toxicologist, PhD candidate, animal rescuer, ice cream expert, and incredible care package maker. My friend and yours, she and I have the same initials. This is Sarah. Hello. (laughs) I knew you were going to come in so quiet with that. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just because like when I listen to podcasts that are interview style and the host is like pumping the person up, the person always gets on and they're like, that's me. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yes, and? Yes, and? How are you? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm doing the PhD thing. We have reached the year I graduate. So... Soon it will not be PhD candidate, it will be PhD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doctor Science with Sarah. Science oh, yeah. with Doctor Sarah. Doctor I like Doctor Science with Sarah. That makes me happy. <laughs> I have to think of the uh the new melody for that. Well, you'll you have some time. It's A it's bit. not gonna happen until until like spring or summer of this year. But it is happening this year. So like the beginning of season six. Actually, yeah. Mid season six, actually. I don't know. We'll get to it when we get to it. I'm not rushing season five. Yeah, that's (laughs) fair. (laughs) (laughs) So what are you reading and or watching right now? I know we know because we talked about it before, but tell our dear listeners. Yeah, I am. I'm doing a rewatch right now of The West Wing and it's making me incredibly happy. Um, Reading wise, though, I actually am reading something other than scientific material right now (laughs) Um, because I just have needed to like change my brain a little bit. I've been reading interviews and essay collections from Angela Davis. Um, Yeah, which I'm really enjoying. The one that I'm doing right now, Freedom is a Constant Struggle is the name of it. It's all all about um, Ferguson and Palestine and just like um, different intersectionality of like prison industrial complex and and so on and so forth so mm-hmm. uh i'm like halfway through it and i'm really enjoying it it's like interesting and enlightening and an easy read because it's like interviews and essays like it's a lot more like um kind of laid back so it's it's easy to kind of buzz through yeah i like when books are sectioned off like that either like point of view to point of view or interviews like you were saying i nora efron's book of essays and like book of short stories, Nora Ephron are like one of my favorite books ever. I've never heard of her. Like I've never heard that name before. Do you know, um, like Sleepless in Seattle? Yeah. All of those, like Meg Ryan, nineties, eighties. Oh, so yeah. she wrote all of those. Oh, okay. When Harry met Sally. Oh yeah. Uh huh. But she just writes about New York, writes about the nineties, Upper West Side, which is like it for me. Okay, cool. And where can we find you online if you want to be found? Uh, the best place to find me is still on Instagram. I am at sickkidchemist, even though I am not a kid anymore, but I am still a chemist. Uh, and I'm still sick. <laughs> <laughs> kid inside. 
Uh, trying to be in my giant hoodie right now. Yeah, that's that's the best place to, to find me. Our patient breakdown for the week. What an episode. Not as a... Mm. Uh, not as you know heart-wrenching as they have been but looking at it from 2024 eyes very wowza Mm -hmm. (laughs) we have first notes and miscellaneous per usual we have addison forrest montgomery to start it out as we always do we have reina reyes who is pregnant and has toxicity we have melody who they say has gender identity disorder but we're gonna call it gender dysphoria because it's 2023 Yes, 2024. It is 2024 now. It's only January, friends. It's It's fine. I can still mess up. We would also call it gender dysphoria in 2023. Yes, we would. And then Amelia Shepard is pregnant. What's your first note? My first note is actually Addison and therapy. And and it's I love that they decided to bring this back to Addison's genetics background. Because I think people forget a lot of the time that when they introduced her to us in Grays, that 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 was a thing that she yeah. had was like this her her fellowship in genetics or whatever. So I I actually like really enjoyed her that part of her therapy sessions this episode where she was talking about like the genetics stuff a lot. It made me kind of happy. Yeah, I feel like when we got to private practice, it was very much Addison was doing the delivering and Naomi was doing more genetics than Addison, which yes. fine. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I wish we saw more of that. I wish we had more. Well, and to be fair, as the scientist who now researches DNA and stuff, Addison was introduced to us as a genetics expert in like genetic diseases and like what they are and how to treat them versus Naomi who is like genetics as in fertility specialist and and those are two very like different areas so fair I think it still kind of makes sense even if they didn't do that on purpose which I'm guessing they did not yeah (laughs) because they're not scientists my first note is just nature versus nurture it's everywhere and I don't think about it that often I guess but it's interesting to talk about it's funny because i feel like when people talk about nature versus nurture it's very much discussed as in it has to be one or the other and not a combination of the two (laughs) which i feel like it definitely is a combination of the two oh yeah yeah and not even in just the way that we as humans turn out but like nature versus nurture let me say that again nature and nurture because it's not against each other they both influence actually our genetics too we are born with a certain set of genes, but our environment and our stressors and our trauma and any pathogens we're exposed to, whatever, they they can change the way our genes are expressed. And so it's nature versus nurture in your actual genetics as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Nature and nurture. Yes. My other first note is, does Pete not know the nanny's name, or did they just not want to cast one? I totally didn't even clock that they gave, they didn't give her a name, but I. <laughs> but you're right. I babysat a lot in New York, and like, I get that we're on a TV show, and he would, it would, like, it's weird for him to say, like, oh, Julia the nanny. Is Julia the nanny coming today? No, you just say, like, is Julia coming today? Right. But we don't know Julia because you haven't cast her. Right. Not that her name is Julia. I just came up with it. Yeah. So they have to say, can the nanny cut out early? Or like, can the nanny stay late? Or whatever he said. Yeah. But then later, Addison name dropping her nannies. Mm-hmm. Tracks, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
I also couldn't help but wonder, a la Carrie Bradshaw, why doesn't St. Ambrose have a daycare like they have in Seattle? Dude, seriously. I'm sorry. It's a hospital. They have tons of employees. They must have a daycare. Yeah, I get why Seaside Wellness doesn't have one. Yes. But the hospital, and they all work at the hospital anyway. Yeah, that doesn't quite make sense to me. Also, while we're on the topic, it is beyond me that Addison cannot hire a nanny. Like, can't keep a nanny that can be around all the time. Like, I'm sorry. She has a ton of money. She could, like, so much pay money. someone to live in her house and take care of her kid. Like, yes. It's, it doesn't make any sense to me, and I don't I don't know why they think it is, like, feasible for her character. <laughs> no, I think she probably, because she's talking to the agency person. Like, she's, yeah. she went through a nanny agency. She didn't hire a nanny, and I feel like she will hire yeah. a nanny. I don't remember what happens, which is a weird thing for me to admit on the podcast, but, like, I, I just don't remember <laughs> Who, like if she ends up with a nanny and then when we see one I'll probably be like oh right or it's just never brought up again right but I think she <laughs> would have done better to like ask around for someone whose kid is like 10 or 11 and they're done and they want their nanny to go with like start over with another family I don't know weird well, and also like ask around because your friends are all doctors and so they're nannies who are used to like long hours and early mornings and like that sort of thing too you know like yes. Agency nannies are probably not going to be like that. No, for sure not. It also geographically is complicated because my guess is that someone who is just like a nanny off and on, unless they're like a rich person's kid who is just like date night babysitting, mm-hmm. are not going to live in Santa Monica or anywhere near it. So the travel time is going to be long. Didn't even think about that because I don't live there. But yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not like Cape Cod. It's very separate right it does not at all track to me that pete doesn't like thai food later he explains (laughs) that he ate it too much but i just i do not believe that pete doesn't like thai food or couldn't find something on the menu that he would enjoy yeah i'm with you on that but i do have to say that i enjoy that they put it into the storyline because then it makes it cute that like he was putting up with it just so he could like see violet like that that was all right fine I was so frustrated with them this episode. Because, Me too. Because like, sometimes they were so cute, but I was like, no, guys, no. When Violet did a little nose scrunch because she was so happy, she was like couldn't keep her happiness in, and she was like, oh, her little yeah. nose scrunch. Yeah. About Pete making an effort at the beginning, it was just so cute, but he, she can't get off of her therapy-only track. I get where she's coming from that, like, if you don't know the source of the issue, it will come up again. Yes. But I do feel like the source of the issue is the fact that she was viciously attacked. <laughs> like, it's going to come up again. Just maybe. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. It's going to come up again, but hopefully it's not going to be as intense as it was in the time where she was postpartum and recovering from a vicious attack. Well, so the thing that I thought was kind of ironic and I don't know if they did this on purpose or not but like she kept talking about how she was gonna use like the fun with Pete as the carrot to get him back into therapy and in my head the whole time I was like oh no honey Pete is using this dinner as the carrot to get you to stop thinking about therapy (laughs) like and and he's doing better than you (laughs) like he is more successful (laughs) (laughs) yeah they they frustrated me only because like when they were being cute 
and having fun. They were being cute and having fun. And I was like, I love this. This is yeah, great. Yeah, I want more of that. And then you would come back to the theater. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's right. They're kind of a mess. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When is she going to sell this house? Um, Great question. Never. Never. <laughs> oh, honestly, that's one of those things where if she didn't do it within the first couple months after her attack or, like, within the first couple months after, you know, the dude got stabbed in her house or whatever – um, or the the lady, the domestic violence situation. Yeah. I can't remember. Joanna Whatever. Gibbs. If she hadn't done it within a couple months after it that happened, she's not going to do it. I'm also thinking perhaps she thinks it's the rule of threes because she had her attack, Pete passing out from his heart attack, and then this vicious murder. So are we saying rule of threes that she should then keep the house? <laughs> like, oh, we're done with all the bad karma now. Like, it's, oh. there's... Like, rule of three is, like, it's done. See, I don't think that's how I would feel. No. Sell the home. Move out. That's all I have for first notes if you want to move on to Addison proper now. Yeah. What's your first note? Aside from the little genetics background, my next note is Addison seriously can't find a nanny with all of her money. Uh, So we'll (laughs) skip that one since I already talked about that. My next note is, Sam is offering to take Henry. This is a bad call, dude. You don't want to do that. <laughs> you really don't want to do that. He certainly doesn't. Because you're just going to be contemptuous about it. <laughs> he tells us continuously that he did not want to do that. He uh-huh. tells us and tells us and then tells us some more. Yeah, but... well, he even says, she asked me to watch Henry. And I was like, no. No, no she actually, did not. You, you offered. offered. <laughs> you shouldn't have offered. But you offered. I was coming into it from like a sweet little naive state of mind for some godforsaken reason because I certainly am not naive when it comes to this show. And so I said, Sam offering to watch Henry, heart. (laughs) See, and I didn't. As soon as he offered, I was like, oh, this is not going to (laughs) work. This is bad. (laughs) And like, let me tell you. When she comes into work later and starts trying to talk to him about Henry. Ah, he was so cold. Addison, honey, read the room. But he didn't, like, she came in to say thank you. Yes. And then then he was so cold and she just continued on about how cute Henry is. He did offer and he didn't have to offer. She was actively calling. It's not like she came to him. First of all, he, yes, their backyards connect. But he came to her and was like, oh, what's up? And she was frantically calling people, not out of options yet. And he offered, and he did not have to offer. I have no sympathy for Sam in this situation. (laughs) No. No, he doesn't have a right to be mad. I mean, I'm not happy with Addison either, but I have no sympathy for Sam. None. She even is like, oh, are you sure? And I know that, like, when you ask, are you sure, after someone has offered, like, it's just like a step. Yes. (laughs) It's... Like, what what is come to expect? It's a thing you say, but you don't mean. Yeah. 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 It's like, how are you? I'm good. I'm certainly not good, but I'll tell you I'm good. Yes. (laughs) Just like that. All of my Addison notes are about Sam, and I don't want to... Mine are, too. The rest of mine are are along the same notes of everything we were just talking about. So if you want to move on from Addison, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Because all my other stuff with her is, like, wrapped into the patient and wrapped into Amelia, so... Yeah, I have more about Addison. It's just not strictly about Addison. Yes. If you offer to do something, you can't be mad about doing it. No. You don't. And he, Sam is not really a people pleaser. Well, he is when it comes to Addison. That's that's what the words I was looking for. When it comes to Addison, he'll like 
bend over backwards yeah. 360 degrees and make himself into a circle. Yeah. I'm trying not to sing Taylor Swift. Logical <laughs> <laughs> people, please, sir. I only want you to see her. I mean, I'm not going to tell you not to. <laughs> I know. I know. We Live have your a, big, life. a big listener overlap here. I just, that song is brilliant. You're losing that's okay. me. Mm. That's okay with me. But you have at it. Thank Enjoy. you. I mean, that's all I'm going to do. We don't have the rights. She would sue. So I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to do listener mail. We have a rating from Meg who said, yes, what a great show. So thank you for thinking we're a great show, Meg. Oh, that's nice. Thank you, Meg. So, dear listeners, I made stickers for the podcast. I made us a little logo, and I made us stickers. If anyone's interested in a sticker, send me a DM, and I'll figure out how to send it to you. They're little. I'll put them on the Instagram. They're like three inches by one inch or something. Co-hosts obviously get them without asking. <laughs> so uh, you will be getting one ASAP, Science with Sarah. But they're very cute on like a water bottle, on a laptop. I think they're supposed to be fine on a car too for some reason. Well, you got the vinyl ones, so they're, they're like, they can deal with like the sweat on water bottles and stuff like that. That's Those are nice because the ones, yeah. I have some on this water bottle that are very disintegrated. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Reina Reyes is pregnant and has toxicity. My first note is they deliver babies prematurely all the time. Yeah, they do. And also, I don't really want to listen to Addison talking about how not bad poverty is. Thankfully, they just kind of popped off that. They, like, said it, and then she was like, well, but she just doesn't want to live poor. Like, she doesn't want to raise her baby without money. And Violet brought it up later, thankfully. She said, you have rich white lady guilt. You have $10,000 worth of baby clothes in Henry's closet and no way to actually help this woman who needs help. Yeah. And alongside that, that made me have such gross vibes was she, at one point, Addison said, I have a mixed race baby. And I was like, okay, that's like saying I have a lot of black friends. Like, don't do that. You're not helping yourself. But also in the slightest. Is not at all the issue that Reyna is dealing with. No, it's not. So yeah. like it really was just like rich white lady guilt and like yeah. come on. Let's let's this none of this is helping this woman. No. With her situation. So let's refocus <laughs> back on the problem and help the human. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I appreciate that. Charlotte brought them down from helping the issue to helping the person. And then Pete again tried to help the issue again. And you're not going to solve global politics with one person. I'm going to roll us back for just a second. Science with Sarah. So the toxicity that she has is mm-hmm. she, she drank a tea. And this is a thing, um, a mushroom tea. And so mushrooms have a lot of ergotamines in them. And ergotamines, there's actually a medication called dihydroergotamine, it's DHE, that they use on women after they've gone through labor if they're having problems expelling their placenta. Mm. Um, so it will cause muscle contractions to help you like get the placenta out. So that, that it's actually a thing. Like the tea that she was trying to drink to induce labor, that it is actually a thing. 
the thing with the teas versus like the DHE pill. The DHE pill is literally just the DHE. The teas, if you're drinking a ton of them to try and make it happen, you get all the other stuff that's in the mushrooms too. And so then that's why she ended up with like a, an actual toxicity. Hi, I'm a toxicologist. Yes. <laughs> science with sarah i feel like people were really into mushroom coffee for a while is that gonna have a similar issue no because they don't if you're just having like a cup of coffee or two cups of coffee it's fine and there's it's not even that much like the dose in those is not that high these teas are specifically meant to like have a really hefty dose Mm -hmm. um so it's like, the purpose of those is to be mushroom tea versus, like, this coffee that's just kind of, like, got some mushroom stuff in it. Like, it's okay. it's just not quite the same. Um, but as with all of that weird wellness stuff, like, y'all, if, if you like how it tastes, go for it. But, like, having mushrooms in your coffee is really not going to give you enough antioxidants and all that other stuff to help you. Like, don't just – the wellness industry is crap. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I feel like when I heard of it, it was as an alternative to the caffeine mm-hmm. or like the acid, but I didn't like it. So that's all we had to do with that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like mushrooms. I like mushrooms. I like to like cook them and put them in different dishes and stuff, but I don't, I don't want mushroom stuff in my drinks. That's no. Why? No. No, thank you. No. Anyways, back to this patient. <laughs> it is about the patient. It is. It's true. <laughs> Raina says, if I could make a life for my baby at home, I would not have come here, which I think people just like need to hear. And she like, let's say it again for all the people. Mm -hmm. People don't leave the country that they live in to come somewhere else for a better life if there was a life possible where they were. Yep. They're they're not just coming here for funsies. No. (laughs) They're coming here because they feel like they have to. Yeah. She didn't walk thousands of miles while pregnant. (laughs) Right. Just for, like, a vacay. Yep. Yep. But on a lighter note, the baby that she delivered was a giant preterm <laughs> newborn baby. Yes. <laughs> like, good, they really like, could not find the right acting no. baby for this role to be legal. 15-pound baby <laughs> preterm. Like, what? Oh, uh, yeah. But I've, with the baby being born and, and the, the movement of this story... I love Charlotte being Big Mama Protect Bear this whole mm-hmm. time. Just, like, keeping ice out and, like, suggesting to Addison, oh, she needs to stay a little longer, don't you think? Mm-hmm. And, like, just, I love Charlotte's, like, quiet, within her political role, pushing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm going to center this patient but also quietly <laughs> make it so that this patient doesn't have to go with immigration. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good job, Charlotte. And she's constantly like the lawyers and the hospital and the patient. And she's like the patient. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I know we have more about Raina Reyes, but I think we're going to get to that in our guest star spotlight. Heck so yeah. if you have anything not related to Tree Hill, uh-huh. North Carolina. The only thing I have is, like, I, I would like to point out, just for, like, um, real real world sake, 
I the way that Pete like feels about the fact that he was like, oh, we set up a clinic not far from there, and she's like, yeah, it fell apart. This is why you can't just save your show up in places and do these mm-hmm. things. It doesn't work that way. You have to, if you're gonna go help, you have to empower the people who are there to come up with their own solutions. Because showing up and just dropping a clinic in the middle of this place and then piecing out is never gonna work. Like it just no, I can't. I I didn't not. even have any notes about that. But dear listeners, if you didn't actually watch the show this week and you're just listening for our recap. Pete just decides out of nowhere he's going to go back to El Salvador with her for, like, an undisclosed amount of time. and just Let's like, be fair. That tracks. <laughs> it does, especially because he doesn't want to be with Violet after she's like, uh-huh. I don't want to have fun with you. I want to be therapy with you. running away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That, I'm, I shouldn't say never. Sometimes it works. But mostly it does not. Most of the time when you go to those areas, you got to let the community do it themselves. He does say that they trained people, but yes. And and also, we should point out that the resolution of that story was that they went in there and Raina was gone with her baby. So, girl be gone. <laughs> I wonder if Charlotte helped at all, and we just didn't see it. I mean, the way Addison was smiling, I was like, oh. Yeah. I, okay. I wonder if that's a deleted scene somewhere or left before they even shot of Charlotte too. being like, oh, these monitors on the babies are so hard to get off, don't you think? Uh-huh. Oh, you're just supposed to press this button, and but I, I can't do it. I could see something like that. Yeah. On to Melody with gender dysphoria. I love that Melody feels comfortable enough with Cooper to tell him what's going on. Yes. Cooper says, I've been seeing you since you were two. But I also wonder if they just have so much pent up feelings and just so frustrated with their parents that they would tell anyone who showed any information. I'm going to use they pronouns for Melody because yeah. I'm, I'm Melody, glad you did because I, yeah. I did it in my notes. <laughs> yeah, me too. Melody is obviously not comfortable with she, her pronouns, but yeah. is not asking for he, him pronouns. So yeah. I'm just going to say they, them I'm, for Melody. I'm, here for that yeah and um i am glad just because this was 2012 i am glad that they didn't get into the pronouns of it all and that we Mm -hmm. had to wait for 10 years later for richard weber to not understand pronouns because i do think that that would have been just like a little bit too much for the private practice audience of the time to deal with yeah i think you're probably right yeah i'm glad that this was shown in the way that it was shown yeah, even even down to the, as much as I hated and was triggered by this toxic mom. Yes. I'm glad that they showed it that way, because you got both perspectives that you tend to see with parents of kids who are questioning. You know, you got the super supportive dad who was like, okay, what do we do for them? You know, like, it was really cute. He's acting at the beginning. He was just very much standing like behind his wife saying like whatever goes, goes. But then when they sit them down in their living room, the dad is like, I have to do, I have to support my child. Yeah. Yeah. So like as much as I did not like seeing this super toxic mom, it was good because you do. You sometimes you get the parents who are super supportive and are just like, tell me what to do. And then a lot of the times you get the parents who are like, no, I refuse. This is my mini me. Yeah. Literally. They have to be exactly who I was. And then Melody comforting their mother. 
and then their mother like breaking down into it it was supposed to show that the mother was doing this out of being scared but what it really showed was a 10 year old child comforting a grown adult which is not okay no i mean it's a very it's it's acceptable at times like if if their parent just died or like if they stubbed their toe but something surrounding they're very different their parent died and they stubbed their toe i think you know what i'm saying here yes i do like (laughs) parents are allowed to show emotion obviously but like expecting your child who is hurting this much to comfort you about you not supporting their life well and this child who you just physically hurt. Oh, yeah. The way the mom was grabbing Melody and holding on to them, and they were literally saying, you're hurting me. Yeah. And then not five minutes later, they're hugging her and trying to comfort her. No. Therapy. Therapy. But not with Violet. Not right. with Violet. Where's Sheldon? <laughs> we need Sheldon. <laughs> I guess we'll see or, him when he comes back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, they, I have to say for the time, for the time, for this being a child, they did a, they did a good job with the yeah. storyline. They introduced all the kind of like hot button topics, like the fact that they're going to have to go to school in different clothes and deal with kids bullying them. Or the fact that like, they might need puberty blockers or, you know, like they, they did, they covered all the stuff. And I was really glad that they specifically brought in a lot of the statistics about like kids with gender dysphoria and their chances of harming themselves or their chance, you know, like, cause that is very important, you oh, know, yeah. like that is, it's crucial cause that is a huge problem. So they did a nice job of subtly introducing the topic and like, hitting all the hot button stuff with it for sure Mm -hmm. did you notice that violet was the only one not using female pronouns for melody around the doctors Mm -hmm. i did because i love that she used female pronouns around melody's parents because i think melody knew that like that's what needed but instead of using pronouns around the doctors violet just said melody 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 Melody. yep just use use their name yeah and it's so interesting. I mean, people grow and change, obviously, but to hear mm-hmm. Amelia being so anti-trans and knowing where she ends up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of fascinating. Yeah. People grow and change, like, and that's great. Like, I, I would so much rather Amelia grow in that way mm-hmm. than to stay where she was 12 sure. years ago now. Wow, 12 Whoa. years ago. <laughs> um but it was that was very interesting to me and to have sam be the middleman of not agreeing with some things but then agreeing with other things i the amelia of it all was really interesting to me and i also wonder i mean they wouldn't write amelia in that way today obviously but because it was only her you know second season on this show you say what is given to you to say but now i do feel like she would have something to say about it yeah when the actor sees first of all i mean she's been playing amelia for 13 14 years now right um so she can say amelia wouldn't say this but a year in i don't know yeah i don't know she probably didn't feel like she could yeah Yeah. melody's sparkly toms did you notice them i did i love them for me in 2012 like i literally had the gold ones not pink uh (laughs) i had the silver and black ones 
Of course. Were they striped or were they just like every other? Every other. Ooh. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I still have them. I think I just got rid of mine, like in a in like the height of COVID lockdown purge. I think I yeah. I did get rid of them because they had holes in the soles. Uh, but I loved Toms. Like I should have worked have for Toms. So many pairs of Toms. I still uh, have so many pairs of Toms. I I have a few, <clears throat> but I really should have been like influencers weren't a thing then. But like I should have been like an ambassador for Toms. I would have I made that. a bank. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I, I enjoyed those glittery toms, just not that I know the Melody was wearing them because their mom made them. That was the yes. only thing that bothered me. <laughs> yeah, and I love for well, I love that I noticed it, and then they said, like, every morning I fight with my mom, mm-hmm. there's something lacy or glittery, and then I said, costume designers did a great job pulling yes. out a cardigan that was lacy. Yep. And glittery shoes. Yeah. And when you're that age, you don't have a million pairs of shoes because no. your feet are growing. So likely Melody only has that pair of shoes. Yeah. Tennis shoes, which I'm sure are glittery also. Yeah. And like open-toed something, which mm-hmm. probably frilly. Yeah, costume. Because they also like put them in pink and purple too. Like they, mm-hmm. they really like pushed the like mom dressed me in girly storyline. Like for sure. Yeah. They did a good job. And I don't know any 10-year-olds whose parents dress them like that. Like, who dress them, period. I feel like when you get to be 10 years old, if you have parents that let you have freedom, you get to choose what you want to wear, which is part of the issue is that Melody's mom doesn't want them to have freedom. Yeah. The rest of my notes on Melody are about when Mason shows up. Yeah, when, when Charlotte opens the door when Melody is like actively sobbing. Charlotte goes, I'm sorry, are we interrupting? Yes. Of course you are, Charlotte. <laughs> but I do think it was intentional. Yeah, I think so too. And and it was so like, it's so funny how well these writers are actually writing these two kids together because this is exactly yeah. what kids would do. Like Mason would say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Straight up. Like that's what another kid would do. It's like, what's, what's wrong with you? And this one would say, I think I'm a boy. And he'd go, cool, you want to go play? Like, that's exactly what kids would do. Precisely what kids would do, you know? Especially boys. Yeah. Like, cool. Like, cool, my mom died. Let's go play. (laughs) (laughs) And then you see them playing paper football. And I was like, oh, when we were kids. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Mm. When you didn't have a phone. <laughs> I'm still watching 911 now, and yeah. there are a couple kids on the show, and they always go to the other room with their iPads. Mm-hmm. And it, it I, I know it's what happens, but it just kind of makes me sad that they don't like go and play adventure and like yeah. fort or dress up or something. I don't know, but they're like, oh, mom, the Wi Fi isn't working. Well, my brother and sister and I would do scavenger hunts for each other all around our farm. Ooh. We would hide toys and write hints, and you'd have to like go find this in the barn or this in the like certain horse pasture or like. <laughs> it it will not surprise you in the least, but anytime we were at a family dinner and my cousins and I got together, I would put a show together for us all to perform for our relatives. I mean, we actually did that too. Our in our like foyer, we had like. Our stairs that went up to our second floor were, like, up, had a platform, and then up again. And then there was, like, a balcony across the top. 
a and perfect we would, stage. We would put shows on there all the time because we would like make like backgrounds that we'd hang from the balcony that went down to like the little platformed part and like my mom would sew us costumes every year for our Halloween costumes so we would just like take pieces and parts of those like we would reenact Beauty and the Beast we did Mulan we did like all of the yeah (laughs) yeah we did we did a lot of like Disney movies one time I tried to do whose line is it anyway but the issue was that the prompts that we got from our like 80 year old relatives were nothing that we knew yeah so we were expecting like hillary duff and like raven simone and we got like dean martin and frank sinatra what do you do with that <laughs> when you're I, whatever I, I, age I said, is this <laughs> yeah and then i showed it to like i think my probably my dad was the person who I was like, what is, like, I, I could read, dear listeners. Yes. I just didn't know who, you know, I knew who Elvis was, obviously, I but I didn't know. I would to know. <laughs> no, no. Um, so whose line is it anyway could have been great, but just the prompts. We, we didn't see eye to eye with the silent generation yes. or the greatest generation. I forget which one. I couldn't tell you. I don't remember. I don't know. When Mason was so proud of Cooper for standing up for Melody, And even because they had been fighting for, like, so long, Mason and Cooper. Not fighting, but just, you know, having their issues. Yeah. And when Melody's parents come to get them, and Mason's like, you're not just going to let them do that, are you? Yeah. And Cooper's like, I'm going to stand up for my patient. And so my kid sees me being big, strong man. Well, and I think it was, like, the... You know, the whole episode we saw Charlotte being good with Mason and also, like, explaining to Cooper what he needed to be doing to be good with Mason. And in my head, I was like, well, yeah, Charlotte knows this because Charlotte just went through a giant trauma and all she wanted was for you to be silently supportive of her and give her time. And that's all you have to do for this child who just lost his mother. Like, this is not difficult. You need to give them structure and space to let them have their feelings and tell them that you're always there. And look, you went and stood up for this other kid and your kid was finally like, Oh, I guess you're supportive then. And then by the end of the episode, they were fine. Like Watching TV. <laughs> like, this is not hard. <laughs> I do have to say, though, if I pulled any of the crap that Mason pulled when he was going into school, I oh. wouldn't have been able to just go to school, though. Yeah, no, no. I get Cooper's instinct on that. I, I do, too. I do. Mm-hmm. But, but also. <laughs> yeah, but also he just lost his mother and uh, uh-huh. you know, yeah. that part. Better ways to do it, Cooper. Better ways to do it. Yes. Anything else for Melody? No, I don't think I really do. On to Amelia Shepard, who is pregnant. Mm -hmm. She asks Jake if she can do anything to make this fetus a better organ donor. She can't handle talking about the pregnancy or plans for the transplant with anyone but Jake. And again, Jake and Amelia great duo my heart just melts like yeah in all of the ways you know i texted you earlier today that i was listening to 519 your episode on the last one this morning and the, you guys like hit it perfectly he's like just tangential enough mm-hmm. and like knows just enough and has just like the perfect mix of background trauma in his own life that he just is handling her with the most perfect precision like exactly what she needs and every single time they have a scene together my heart melts and also every single scene they had together this episode I was like she is such a good actress like how how does she 
make that face when she's about to cry? Like, how do you just like... (laughs) I had a lot of feelings. (laughs) I had lunch with dear guest host Melody yesterday. And we obviously are both in the industry. And the industry is a disaster. Uh, And we were talking about... Like, would you rather be in something like Game of Thrones or House of Cards or, you know, something that is really critically acclaimed and you get all the awards for? Or would you rather be in a procedural where you can hopefully be on it for, like, maybe not decades in every situation, but you get to be on it for a really long Long time. time. Yeah. And you get to really establish your character and live in that world. Yeah. And we both said... We'd love to be in a procedural. Yeah. And just establish. I mean, we knew this about me. It's not a surprise for me. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> no. But, or like a multicam comedy or even a single cam comedy. Yeah. And just like be able to play mm-hmm. and, and live there. And obviously it can still get canceled as we found out with Station 19 recently. And we haven't talked about it on the pod, but it doesn't make sense at all to me that it's being canceled. I have some industry reasons that I feel like I I get why it was chosen to be canceled not why it should be canceled but I get why the people with the money are saying no more I don't have anything else to say yeah I don't watch station 19 so I really can't add to the conversation but I was also surprised when I saw that I was like oh oh it just has an incredible following and it isn't stale yet to me I hadn't really actually thought like I I saw that that had happened I read it somewhere probably in the Grace group or something but I just like I hadn't really thought about it until you brought it up again yeah I I I also hadn't really been thinking about it until I was talking about if I would choose the procedural Procedural or Game of Thrones and like hey if if HBO wants to cast me on the new thing that's like on the the third season of White Lotus like please bring it up (laughs) yeah please do Um, never gonna turn down work No, never. Well, sometimes, but not that (laughs) way. I love how we both go, wait, hold on. Never mind. I know. Anyway, I don't think people listen to this podcast for that. So let's get back to dear, dear Amelia Francis Shepard. Yes, let's do that. (laughs) I love communicated boundaries because Jake won't get in the middle of Amelia and Addison. Mm-hmm. And Amelia has communicated that boundary to him, and he is standing in that boundary. I love and again, it. I love it. And again, I want to say that like boundaries aren't boundaries unless they're communicated. So Correct. I love that uh, we saw those boundaries, and I love Jake for that. And I really didn't like Jake that much until this watch. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, I've always like liked him, but I have never been so all in for Jake as a person until this watch. Yeah. Part of me wonders if it's because I am watching his arc on Law and Order concurrently from the 90s. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. Could be. Maybe. Could be. <laughs> but. Yeah, I was in love with the way that Jake stood up for Amelia to Addison specifically. It was like, oh, you would like to communicate to her? You need to go communicate to her. I'm not divulging anything. This is Amelia's deal. This is your deal. You two have to talk. And if she doesn't want to talk to you, you don't get to know. (laughs) And I was like. Addison somehow didn't know that he was her new OB. Yeah, that was weird. The only thing I can think of is that their meetings were 
after hours or always happened to be while a uh, while Addison was in an appointment. Well, and I'm going to guess that Addison also just assumed Amelia wasn't getting care anymore because Addison would assume that about Amelia. That's fair. You know, she would be like, oh, yeah, she's Amelia. She's irresponsible. Of course she didn't go. You know what I mean? Like, because that's Mm. Addison. She's going to revert back to that sometimes. Like, yeah, because she learned that from Derek. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, unfortunately, Jake is making me happy. I do enjoy that later in the episode, you do get Addison talking to Amelia directly, very briefly, Mm -hmm. just offering Mm -hmm. support and then walking away. I was like, good. That is what you do. That's it. And when she said, I'm here for whatever you need, even if what you need is someone to hate. Yes. And and she talked about how, yeah, exactly. How this is not the end of our story. Like we're, I don't know if she said we're sisters or we're family, but they're sisters. And I, I just, I appreciate that because, Mm -hmm. you know, sleep, sleep, sleep deprived new mother Addison easily could have gone into a tirade of, everything from her perspective and she saw it from Amelia's perspective. Well, and especially because when you saw Addison for the rest of the episode, she was relating literally everything in front of her back to her new kid. Yeah. Literally everything revolved around her and her new child, which like I get it. She's a new mom, but she managed to actually set that aside when she talked to Amelia, which was like the time that it counted. So Mm -hmm. she gets points for that. Not many, but she gets points. (laughs) A field goal, not a touchdown. Correct. <laughs> wow, I did not have football reference on my bingo card for hey, this Hey, whatever, that's fine. I got it. <laughs> I love football. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm going to have a little science with Sarah question. Yeah. Science with Sarah. Can a baby without a brain move? Mm-hmm. Like, do the muscles just move? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, muscle movement and, like, and nerve activation is it literally boils down to its simplest state it's called depolarization it's literally just an electrical chemical gradient across cells so like chloride item atoms are negatively charged and sodium atoms are positively charged and when they move across a cell membrane back and forth the inside of the cell versus the outside of the cell is negative or positive that's how nerve impulses are sent that's how muscle contractions happen. That can mm-hmm. happen without a brain to send those signals. It can happen spontaneously. You get muscle spasms sometimes, don't you? Oh, definitely. But I always thought it had to go through the brain. Doesn't have to. It's just a. Uh, it can happen spontaneously. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. It's a chemical reaction. Like you mm-hmm. get a Charlie horse, and it doesn't yeah. have anything to do with your brain. Well, and and like when they build up on one side or the other, the body will respond and change the gradient back to try and get it back to like a normal state. And so they'll switch back and forth. And and so you'll still get like the depolarization of the cell. And so it'll still activate even without the brain telling it to. So yeah, Mm. babies without brains can move inside and we're here. So I I can explain. Uh, (laughs) Do do you want to do your... I guess I would... I. In my in my brain, I have already played. In my editor brain, I have already played your jingle right after I said I have a science with Sarah question. Perfect. Okay. As long as you but got I it, I will leave this in because I think that's funny. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like I said earlier, I I listened to the last episode this morning and I texted Sam and was like, "You keep saying that you're hoping someone 
will explain soon what anencephaly is. And I was like, so would you like me to do a science with Sarah? She said, yes. So (laughs) here we are. Because when I recorded that with Allison, I hadn't asked you if you were up to it yet. (laughs) And then I figured if you weren't up to it, you could just send in a voice memo. So I was like, some way or another, we'll get some science with Sarah. Yes. Well, here we are. Um, So yeah, (laughs) anencephaly, it's... um, in this instance, they're talking about it in terms of Amelia's baby having no brain. That's one type of anencephaly. Anencephaly itself describes like three different kind of um, defects, and they all have to do with what's called a neural tube. So when an embryo is developing, you know, it's just a cluster of cells, and the cells start to turn into different things. You start out with just like a bunch of cells, and then this little cluster of cells becomes nerve cells and then this little cluster becomes cardiac and this so the they turn into different things you get a cluster of cells that are nerve cells they eventually grow into like a sheet of cells okay and then that sheet rolls itself up into a tube so that's called a neural tube and that's what the spinal cord and the brain develop from and then eventually the nerves um and so that that tube like it extends, it'll close off on one end, and that's like the end of the spinal cord, and then it'll close and bulge out on the other end, and that becomes the brain. If when you start out with that first cluster of nerve cells, if like one or two of the cells is mutated, they'll divide anyway. So now you're ending up with like this grouping of mutated cells within that neural tube. And so now all of a sudden that chunk of cells is defective. Um, and so that's how you can end up with like defects in, in like a neural tube as the development happens. So there's like three different kinds of anencephaly. Um, there's, well, I'm going to butcher how to pronounce these cause I've never said them out loud before. There's <laughs> meroanencephaly. So that's, um, where the part of the brain stem and part of the brain develop. Um, and you'll actually have like a little bit of skin and skull. Um, there's holoanencephaly, which is where the brain doesn't develop at all. So that's what Amelia's fetus has. And then there's, oh gosh, here we go. Cranio, cranio, a kiss, a kiss. I'm going to, nope, I can't do it. Uh, there's a third one. The third kind. <laughs> where the brain, the skull, and the spine do not develop at all. So it can, it can, sorry guys, I'm reacting to same space. Uh, it can be like... <laughs> It can be pretty severe. It just is so awful. It is. It is awful. Um, As far as like what causes it, there's not really been like a singularly pointed out cause just yet. Um, Sometimes it's thought to be like where both parents can be a carrier. So like a genetic mutation. Um, Sometimes it's thought to be environmental. Sometimes, and this is really kind of interesting, it's thought to be because of prescription drugs. And the reason why I'm kind of like diving into this a little bit is one of the groupings of drugs when I was looking this up that they mentioned is if you take opioids in the first two months of your pregnancy. Oh, no. Right. So like within the episode, Jake tells Amelia, like, no, you're, you know, it wasn't this episode. It was like the one before. Yeah. Like, no, 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 you're, you're oxy abuse. There's no way that caused this. And I was like, mm-hmm. Either the writers didn't look that up or Jake lied. Or it wasn't discovered until more recently. Until, yeah, that's true. That's true. Which um, is what I'm hoping for. But yeah, me too. Because It's they, also very possible. The, the first two are also very possible. Yeah. So, so they, they mention um, opioids specifically. And then 
a couple of different anti-seizure medications and then um, some bipolar medications that can can cause this sort of thing. They also talk about a lack of folic acid, but that's that's for just like pretty much all developmental defects in fetuses. Like that's why they always push folic acid on yeah. on pregnant women because it helps with the development in general. They can detect it as early as like eight to 12 weeks, but typically they don't catch it until 18 to 20 weeks. And she had her first one at like 20, 22 weeks, I think. Yeah. So um, things that are at least a little bit comforting, I hope, to people who that this may happen to is that anencephalic babies can't feel pain. That's what um, I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah, they can't, they can't perceive pain. Um, so they, at least for the short amount of time that they are alive outside of the womb because it does not I think the longest recorded one was like three days they are not in pain in that time so and and this is always fatal it just is just is either a miscarriage or giving birth and then they die hours to days afterwards so kind of a rough one yeah when I first saw this I was everyone was like oh my god but the Mm -hmm. more I watch it like the, when I originally watched it, until Amelia said it is so ironic because she is a neurosurgeon, a neurosurgeon yeah. I didn't think about it, but now it's all I can think about. Yeah. Well, and another hopefully comfort to a lot of people is this is incredibly rare. Um, so anencephaly occurs only in one of every 20,000 to 100,000 births. So it's 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 Births like or pregnancies uh pregnancies excuse me yeah okay. pregnancies uh one in 20,000 to one in 100,000 pregnancies so it's it is like classified as a very rare condition it really doesn't happen a lot which is another reason why it's not like super well studied because yeah you have to have people to study obviously um yeah but yeah it this is a developmental stuff like this is is rough and and I've studied some of this in my PhD, um, you know, in pharmacology and toxicology, we have to understand what drugs do during pregnancy. Um, you know, so one of the things we study a lot and people can look it up if they want to is, is the failure of thalidomide, which was an anti-nausea medication back in the sixties, um, that they gave to tons of pregnant women because it helped them with their morning sickness. And then a bunch of babies were born with, with, um, limb deformities because of it. Um, and that was kind of what the FDA approval process was born out of was because of that, that whole situation. Um, and eventually just in the last 10 years, they figured out why that happened. And it, it was just a, a difference in, cause they had, they had done animal studies, but they did them in rats instead of in mice and mice are closer to humans than rats are. Um, and so if you do it on mice, you, you find the deformities. Um, so that mm. literally was what it boiled down to. But yeah. Anyway, there's your science with Sarah on anencephaly. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. That was going to be a rough one no matter what we did. <laughs> science with Sarah. Can you like imagine in this writer's room the person that pitched this? Dude. Yeah. Why? Well, are we allowed to do great spoilers on here? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're always doing all these neuro things to Amelia. They gave her a baby that has no brain. They gave her a brain tumor on Grays. Like, yes, we get she's a neurosurgeon and you think it's ironic, but could we stop? 
Well, Meredith had everything in the general cavity. She gave part of her liver to her dad. Actually, yeah, that's true. She had a splenic bleed when she was pregnant. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. You're right. Yeah. I just, um, like, it's just But Bailey weird. didn't. Bailey's stuff is all, like. Cardiac. Anxiety. Cardiac and. Anxiety. Cardiac OCD. and. I don't want to say psychological because it's not. Well, that's the word. Did they actually diagnose her with OCD? Like, I know she yeah, had anxiety, she, but. The gloves she thing. She took the, she took medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, because it was the it was the gloves thing. I remember that. Takes medicine, I should say. I don't uh. think she stopped. But no, like seriously, poor, nah. poor Amelia. They just do mean things to her. But yeah, you're right. I I if I was in the writing room and someone pitched this, I'd be like, <laughs> could we not? I literally, I would probably do what I just did, laugh with a straight face. (laughs) (laughs) And I would not laugh with a smile on my face, (laughs) which is what I just did. (laughs) Like the evil, like villain, like, (laughs) oh, God, like how perfect. Oh, man. Yep. Back to thalidomide for just like a minute. Yeah. Call the Midwife, which is another one of my favorite shows, had an incredible arc on it. Like, almost really? a whole series. Cool. A whole, it's British, so I said series, a whole season on it. Yeah. Cool. And that's PBS, BBC. I don't, I think it's streaming on, on Netflix, which is a shame because Netflix took away my watching abilities. It finally realized I don't live in a house with my parents. And, uh. <sighs> Rude. Well, I'll have yes, to look it up because, like, thalidomide is one of the ones that we we learn about, talk about, and study constantly in pharmacology and toxicology because it was yeah. just, like, such a failure of the drug approval process. And that was because back then the drug approval process did not really exist. Like, it is so much more thorough and just, like, scientifically sound now than it was back in the yeah. 60s. Thank goodness. Yes. My last note on dear, dear, sweet Amelia Shepard is I don't know how she's seeing patients and functioning normally and going on runs with Sam and uh, probably cooking and cleaning. And I I could not do it. I would imagine she's dissociating, 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 which is what I would yeah. do. Um, Same. The last Same. note that I'll have is like when she mentioned that she like couldn't talk to people about it at work, like she just like didn't want to talk to anybody about it except for Jake. I'm not going to try and make it seem like it's the same experience, but this is what it's like to live life with visible disabilities. I get so sick of explaining to people who really don't actually care in my workplace why I'm using a crutch or a walker that day. Like, it gets so old, and could we just leave people alone? Just leave Amelia alone, please. <laughs> like, don't make people relive their trauma for you over and over and over again when you're not, you don't even actually care. Like, you don't, you're just asking to ask. So, like. Yeah. Yeah. That's anyway. not small talk. No. Yeah, no. You don't ask people about how their legs work. So, don't ask them about how their crutches work or their walker works or their wheelchair works. Yeah. But I mean, you have to imagine every patient is who's seeing Amelia is like, oh my gosh, when are you due? Exactly. I cannot imagine. Boy or girl. Ugh. No. And nope. then when they come in for their follow-up in three months, how's the baby? No. Uh, no. I would just have a note. Well, I wouldn't, but I feel like Amelia would 
have a note on her door that's like don't ask me about my pregnancy or like the baby is dead or like something like that well it's funny that you say that because honestly so when i go i teach every fall and it's always like a new cohort of students because it's the first years and i walk in the door and i'm usually using my crutches and i will say to the classroom hi yeah i'm physically disabled but i'm also a student here and i know a lot about forensic toxicology so i'm going to teach you about that right now and that's it like I just, I just address it the minute the walk, I, uh, the minute I walk in the door, because I'm like, yeah. no, I know you're gonna stare at me and have questions, so I'm just gonna say this thing, and then we're all gonna move on. Like, yes, because <laughs> that's all you're gonna get from me is what you can actually yeah. see in front of you. Yeah, because I don't owe you anything else. <laughs> it's so much more interesting to ask about your beautiful hair, right? I have green hair. Come on. Yeah, like what's what hair dye? Like where? <laughs> do you is that where did you get that done or like give me the name of your hair person seriously like come on (laughs) so many more interesting things to ask about okay on to miscellaneous goes yes charlotte with the sass i'd ask i'd say something about it if only i were actually his parent i loved her sass so much oh yeah oh yeah every single time the whole top of the episode perfect perfection beautiful (laughs) And then when Cooper comes to ask her to pick up Mason and Charlotte is sitting down in her chair and Cooper is standing in the doorway and she says something, I don't remember what, but Cooper just like looks at her and tries to think of a comeback and then he just frustratedly like tiny little grunt and walks away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Charlotte doesn't even have to speak at this point. (laughs) No. And she is still a queen. I know we have some young actors in our listenership. That's a really good scene to watch to learn about power dynamics because Charlotte is sitting down and Cooper is standing up. And you would usually think, like, if you think of that as, like, if you're in the principal's office, the principal is probably standing up and you're probably sitting down and the principal has the power. But in this scene, Charlotte has all the power. And just look at their body language and how they interact with each other. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of really good scenes in the beginning of the series with Naomi as well because obviously Audra is the queen of acting and she shows it here. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you. (laughs) The only note I will say of all of my notes that I want to make sure I say here is just because you're a pediatrician doesn't mean you understand all kids, Cooper. <laughs> yes, very that. You see them for 10 minutes at a time. I'm sure that was in response to whatever something Mason was doing and how angry Cooper got about it. I'm, I'm sure that that's what that was, but seriously. Well, Cooper said something to Charlotte, like, don't try to talk to me about kids. I have built a career That must have kids. been why. Yeah, that must have It was have outside been. the school, yeah. yeah. So Mason is frustrated and grieving and taking it out on Cooper because he feels safe to take it out on Cooper. Mm -hmm. While Cooper is frustrated and taking it out on Charlotte because he feels comfortable taking it out on Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And Charlotte isn't going to take it. Yep. We talked about this, oh gosh, forever ago now, but it was a mother-daughter. It might have been busy in Addison, but like how, you know, daughters take things out on their mothers because you – yell at people and and take your frustrations out on people that you know are not going to leave because of it or that you know that you can trust Mm -hmm. and there was something oh my brain is not working but in the scene the the end point was like it's when she stops yelling at you that you'll have the issue maybe it was maya and naomi i don't know 
Maybe. Something is clicking in my brain. Yeah, but I but I can't put my finger on it, so I'm sorry I'm not any help. Nor am I. It's fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. And Cooper finally actually apologized after yes. Cooper was like, I did apologize. And Charlotte was like, but you didn't. Yeah. And then he finally did. And they hold hands yeah. on the couch. Yeah. That whole scene was really cute. That's all I have for Cooper and Charlotte. My only little miscellaneous note that's left for Violet and uh, Pete is Violet turning down a trip to Carmel. I simply could and would never do that. <laughs> I love Carmel by the sea. It's like a tiny little town. I went this year for my birthday. Oh, Your guest host, Caitlin, treated me to a little 30th birthday trip in Carmel. That's fun. It's near Monterey. All the little um, houses look like fairy tales. It has incredible food. We stayed in a hotel that was owned by Doris Day. Totally pet friendly. Okay, that's awesome. Wait, I haven't told you any I of this? I think so. I mean, you might have posted oh God, pictures a- or something, and I just didn't realize the, like, significance of yeah. it. But, like, that's cool. Oh, yeah. It's called the Cypress Hotel. It was owned by Doris Day mm-hmm. until she died. And Doris Day was super into animal rescue, so her hotel was one of the first totally pet friendly hotels in the country and now it's like totally totally pet friendly and like i love this still adheres to health code violations or health code and doesn't violate but (laughs) yes you know still (laughs) adheres to health code violations um but then there's just like her old movie posters everywhere it's great i love it i would stay again for sure that's so fun yeah i don't have anything else for pete and violet uh the only thing left i have in my miscellaneous is i have a little sam slash the boys section because they kept having chats in the break room and within yeah. that, I just have one thing. What in the heck is Jake eating? <laughs> so they're in the break room, and Jake gets something out of the fridge. And it looks like little sticks of something, but I cannot. It looked like jicama to me. But, like, it might be. It didn't make sense to me for it to be jicama, but it was in, like, a little plastic container. There were little white sticks, and he, like, pulled one out and was chomping on it while they were chatting. It was, like, Sam was sitting down. Pete was over here putting bananas on his cereal, and Cooper was sitting. That's what I was looking at. I was watching Pete chop his bananas and put it into the cereal, and I was like, where is the cereal? It's a lot of milk. But I didn't notice what Jake was eating. I don't know. It it looked like jicama to me. Maybe it's not. I, I don't know people who just eat sticks of jicama, but maybe it was jicama. <laughs> maybe it was like watercress? Maybe. I don't know, but it was weird. Uh, that's, but that's that's all I have left for <laughs> When you said a little Sam note, and you before you said the boys, my brain was like, oh, what for me? Oh, no. I'm sorry. For moi? <laughs> that's fine. This is all for you. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Any other stray notes? Uh, I like Violet's gray dress and the necklace she mm-hmm. had on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> My Sam style for the week is Addison towards the top of the episode. She's in like a white pencil skirt dress with a long gold necklace and her hair is slicked back mm-hmm. in a ponytail and she has a gorgeous pink lip. Perfection. Yes. Big fan. That white dress would not stay white with a child, but still cute. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or being a doctor. Yeah, or Delivering that. babies in that white dress. Yeah. Even simply doing a pap smear in that white dress. What? <laughs> yeah, no. Maybe it was an admin day. We did see her in scrubs. She switched into scrubs. Yeah, but why are you going to get that dressed up to change into scrubs? Yeah, I know. Uh, that I have no answer for. <laughs> no. 
who's our guest star spotlight? Hmm, I wonder if I know who it will be. Sam and I got very excited when we got into this episode, guys, because we are both obsessed with One Tree Hill. <laughs> so our guest star spotlight is Daniela Alonso, who played Reina Reyes, um, the pregnant woman from El Salvador. And she also played a beloved character on One Tree Hill for a whole season. The second season of One Tree Hill, she played Anna Tagaro, our queer queen. Because they kind of say maybe she's a lesbian. They kind of say maybe she's bisexual. It was the early 2000s, y'all. Like, we couldn't, we couldn't be perfect about it, all right? So, our queer queen. <laughs> but Daniela was born in New York City. She's Puerto Rican, Peruvian, and Japanese. I did not know that. Right? Yeah. Isn't that fun? Yeah. It, which explains, like, because she's beautiful. She's stunning. Yeah. But she's been on, like, everything. She's been on Law & Order, the original one, and Criminal Intent. She's been on all three CSIs. Mm. New York, Miami, and Vegas. She's been on Without a Trace. She was on Friday Night Lights. She did Saving Grace. She did Rosalia Nile. She did Castle, Seal Team, Darkness Falls. Like, she's also now producing and directing. She's just done all the things. So, there she is. Queen. Yes. Um, amazing yeah and she did a great job in this episode as well she did she was wonderful they did a great job of making her look like a very sick pregnant woman because <laughs> yeah. she is beautiful and they did a great job of making her look rough <laughs> which yeah. must be difficult because she's beautiful <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> trivia for this episode this episode scored 7.38 million viewers yeah it's going up, dear listeners. Mm-hmm. Like, it's in the sevens, yeah. but it's going up. And there are a whole host of reasons that most shows in this era mm-hmm. were under 10 million views. I just don't see a reason for them to cancel private practice, as we know they do after this season, because we yep. only have half a season in season six. I know that there was more than just yeah. numbers going into it, but Chris McGarry, who plays Michael, who is Melody's father, also plays Danny Wayne in season 10 of Grey's Anatomy. This is the magician that almost saws his wife in half during a show. <laughs> yeah, your face. Yes. Is it making sense now? Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, man, I didn't mm-hmm. get down to your trivia section. That's good. I like to see you surprised. <laughs> okay, I won't look. <laughs> Charlotte White, who plays Melody, also played Alyssa Kramer. I'm waiting for you to make your face when I say this. In season 10 as well, which is weird, of Grey's Anatomy. She had lots of surgery to help with her arthrogyposis. Arthrogyposis? How do you say that? I, I have to look at it. Hold on. But yeah, I do remember her. Like, I I remember yep. her. I do. And she asks Callie to amputate yep. her legs instead so she can live without pain. Uh-huh. I do remember her. Arthrogyposis. I'm looking. Hold on. Arthrogryposis. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm not saying I'm right, but that would be my guess. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm saying okay, you're cool. right. <laughs> the goof that was on IMDb is like maybe a goof, maybe not, but I'm just going to say it. Okay. The conversation that Cooper and Violet have with Melody's parents in the waiting room, as well as the earlier conversation that Cooper had with them and Melody, probably should not have happened there due to HIPAA laws. They should have taken them to a more private area. I'm sorry, but this whole entire show is HIPAA violations, so like, yeah, sure. To which I say, HIPAA, I do not know her. Right. Oceanside Wellness does not know HIPAA. Like, uh, yeah, agreed. If you're looking at it from that standpoint, 
don't watch this show. Then there should be a goof in every single episode. <laughs> yeah. In every single scene of every single episode. Literally. Uh, every patient storyline. Seriously. Okay. My MVP is Jake. Same! <laughs> okay. Amazing. That's like the only choice. He's taking the Sheldon role of this episode and, like, assisting others without inserting himself into things. Mm -hmm. And for all the things that you said when we were talking about Amelia, like, Jake, 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 Jake. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, yes. We are getting into the why I swooned the first day that we talked about him when I was on an episode. I was like, oh, he's here. (laughs) Every person who comes on, whether they know this show or not, they're like, Benjamin Brack. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me your your rating. Uh, my rating is getting stuck on a Ferris wheel at the pier. Because <laughs> everyone seems to be in the middle of, like, all their problems and their issues right now, but they can't actually do anything to solve them. They just kind of have to, like, wait for things to happen. Like, Addison has a baby, and she just kind of has to, like, get used to this whole, like, motherhood thing and finding a an nanny. And Amelia just kind of has to wait until... Her baby is born and like Cooper and Charlotte just kind of have to wait for Mason to like get through his grieving and start to come back around. So that, that, yeah, being, being stuck on a Ferris wheel on the pier on the beach. It makes sense. Okay. Mine is very different. I like turn it on his head. Hard things are easier with a teammate, either like a scary roller coaster or cold ocean water haunted house. It's less scary with a friend. So Cooper and Violet helping Mel and their parents through the transition. Charlotte helping Cooper and Cooper helping Charlotte helping Mason. Addison getting through terrible childcare with Sam, even though Sam doesn't want to be her teammate. Amelia going through her pregnancy with support from Jake. Okay. Nope, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. You pulled it out. I'm so excited to eat dinner. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at BHAB Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me at Samantha G. Harris on Instagram. And you can follow me at Sick Kid Chemist on Instagram. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and sharing it with a friend. It really helps people learn about the show, and we might read your review on the podcast. Thanks again to our listener who left one this week. Thank you. You can also become a member of our Patreon community at patreon.com slash B-H-A-B podcast. On our next episode, we'll be discussing private practice, season five, episode 21. Already? Wow. They're available to stream on Hulu and can be purchased on iTunes, Amazon, DVD, and more, as well as borrowed from your local library. If you have thoughts you'd like to share with us on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. Thanks for listening. BHAB Podcast will be back in two weeks. TGIT.